use those critical thinking skills. Welcome to Medically Unbiased. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Medically Unbiased. This is your host, Tyler, just calling or ready to chat with you about some uh, crazy stuff going on in the medical community you may not be aware of. So, currently, many facilities, hospitals, long-term care facilities, skilled nursing facilities, some of these are after the acute care phase, are still requiring masks. Can you believe this? It's been three years. Three years since COVID. That's, that's, a, that's a while, okay? We lived through COVID. We've lived through the vaccines are good for you era. We've lived through the stand back six feet from everybody. Don't touch anyone. Don't look them in the eye. But I don't think masks are going away. So this is concerning for me because I'm, I'm a man of science. I believe in the scientific method. Now know that there's two types of science or well, there's probably multiple types, but the two I'm referring to are empirical science and like a practiced science. Um, and maybe those aren't the correct terms, but those are the terms I'm going to use for now. So a practiced science or a like medicine is kind of a, a practiced and a learned science. There's no hard and fast rules. I mean, there are some, I guess there, there's a heart in the body. That's a, that's a science, right? There's a lungs in the body and they exchange oxygen and carbon dioxide. So there's some hard and fast rules, but it's still a ongoing learned experience, a practiced science, which means that the data that you learn is constantly changing. You know, 50, 60, 70 years ago, doctors smoked in the hospital. Doctors were smoking at the nursing station in the hospital, patients could smoke a cigarette in the hospital. Think about that for a minute. We, we now know that that's bad for you. So guess what you can't do? You can't smoke in the hospital. Um, smoking causes cancer. We're all aware. Even though you're going to hear that one person that's like, well, I have this... Uncle's brother's nephew's cousin, and uh, he didn't get cancer. He lived to be 165, and he smoked two packs a day. Whatever. You're going to hear some weird argument. Don't take those as the norm. That's the exception to the rule argument. So I've been on this COVID kick thing again because of the damn masks, and it's bugging the living tar out of me. So, for instance, the other day I walked into a facility didn't have a mask on because, you know, it's 2023 and let's face it, masks are stupid. So they were like freaking out. When I say they, I mean the person who claims to be their educated, uh, infectious disease, transmissibility person in the hospital, right? So this person has knowledge. Nah, obviously not. This person follows rules. I'll give you that. This person doesn't make policy. So it's probably important to know the difference between you making rules and you following policy or following a rule. 
So if you're if you're actually making and the rules and the guidelines that your facility follows, if you're using facts and data to facilitate better outcomes for patients, that's a totally and and for the staff, that's a totally different thing than someone with a let's call it a sheriff's badge who's out policing the facility to make sure people are in compliance. Those are two different people. And I think that nurses, nurse practitioners, doctors, technicians who are appointed to the position of being the person who monitors that type of stuff believe that they're making policy, making rules, that they're informed decisions are being thought about and utilized to facilitate better outcomes when in reality they're not informed people and they're making really poor decisions. So let's just look back on some of this stuff. Now, masking, universal masking was rescinded well over a year ago. Now I live in Nevada, right? And so, first of all, I have to say this. The governor rescinded the mask mandate, which we all know the governor has is an idiot in any state. I don't care what, Republican or Democrat, your governor is an idiot when it comes to medicine. I honestly bet of all the governors in all 50 states, not one of them is a practicing physician or nurse practitioner or phys, you know physician's assistant they're not a medical professional they're being dictated to by somebody on their team within the administration that's saying how we do these things or whatever so in nevada um may 20th the declaration of emergency related to covid was ended that was on may 20 2022 but in february 10th of 2022 the governor lifted the mask mandate so no longer required masking in public places because guess what it wasn't working it didn't work it was stupid so we've been a year one year without mask mandates except for places like hospitals clinics and long-term care facilities so on our website, Nevada, or excuse me, LasVegasNevada.gov, it states that masks and protective equipment requirements in facilities serving vulnerable populations, like hospitals, clinics, and long-term care facilities, will be overseen at the direction of the Nevada Department of Health and Human Services. The safety and healthcare staff and patients are top priority. Teachers in schools will no longer be required to wear masks, but school districts will need to work with their local health authorities and have plans in place to deal with outbreaks. So, safety of healthcare staff and patients are the top priority. Teachers, you suck. We don't care about you. That's what they just said there. Teachers will no longer be required to wear masks because, according to this group of people, the safety of healthcare staff and patients are, quote, our top priority, unquote. Now, I don't believe that. I, I think teachers are very important, but LasVegasNevada.gov thinks teachers are useless. So 
federally, masks are still mandated at this time. This was February 10th, 2022. In airports, on airplanes, public buses, and schools. Or in school buses, excuse me. And they were giving away a bunch of free at-home tests. You could order up to four at the time. It's just stupid. Who needs... Anyway. So, today, 2023, February 28th, it is today when we're recording this podcast. A year. It's a year after those mask mandates were lifted. And three years after COVID hit our shores, we're still masking expecting a different result now let's go over the guidelines here the the premise of this stupidity the i would say the majority the vast majority i'm guessing 98 percent. it could be as high as 99 percent. i'm not sure of the practitioners whether it be medical providers doctors, nurse practitioners, or physician's assistants, or nurses, respiratory therapists, CNAs, as well as hospital staff. So be it EVS, which is the people who clean all of the facility regularly. Is it the kitchen staff that's cooking meals? Generally not great meals. No offense, kitchen staff, but you're not allowed to cook great meals. But, you know... These people have all been vaccinated against COVID. And we remember there was no, you know, transmission of COVID if you got vaccinated, right? You weren't going to get it and you weren't going to transmit it to others. Because how could you transmit it to others if you don't get it? So those two statements were weird in the beginning anyway. So now we all know that everyone's been vaccinated. The vast majority of people are vaccinated. When you apply for the job, they won't hire you unless you've been vaccinated against covid the majority of places in this country operate the same way i have friends all over the country and that's what they tell me so why are we wearing masks if we're protected what is the mask doing now let's think back to the beginning pre-pandemic you know 2019 before this thing happened in 2019 I wore a mask as a medical provider and a practitioner when I went into a patient's room to protect myself from whatever they had. So if this person, this patient, had some sort of airborne virus that they were spewing, whether it be you know tuberculosis or the flu, I would be wearing a very specific mask, an N95 mask, because it's airborne precautions. Now, if I was wearing a mask just for contact precautions, and I was treating a patient with, say, C. diff, or a staph infection, or MRSA in the wound, or VRE, you know, if we were treating this patient, we would be wearing a mask to protect me, the provider. Because guess what? The patient was already sick. The patient had the thing that I'm protecting myself from. I didn't have the thing. The patient had the thing. Whatever the thing was. The virus, the illness. I'm there to protect myself from the patient. The hospitals invested money to provide me, the provider, and their staff, nursing staff, clinical staff, non-clinical staff, 
they've provided all these people the means by which they could protect themselves from a sick person seeking help in a facility. That's great. That was awesome. You know, we would wear a mask. We'd go into the room. We'd treat the patient. We'd leave the room. We'd take the mask, the gowns, the gloves, the safety glasses, whatever we needed. We'd take all that off and we throw it away because it's all disposable. Not today. Today I wear a mask and I walk in a patient's room and guess what? I walk out of that patient's room and I walk down the hallway and I walk into another patient's room. Now, let's say that that patient had COVID or they had some aerosolized illness. Am I supposed to take my mask off and trade it? No one's explained that in the hospital. They just they just want you to wear a mask. Just wear something over your face. Wear a mask. So now am I am I the problem? If I become the problem, because as far as I'm concerned, facilities are now blaming staff members. All these staff members that were heroes three years ago. Don't get me wrong. I never thought I was a hero. Don't ever say that to me. I'm not one. There's people who are heroes. There's actual heroes out there. Call them heroes, not me. I just went to work, okay? I do a job. That's my job. I love my job, but I'm not no hero. So don't ever think that someone needs to say that. Now, I went to work, and I left work, and I came home to my family, and I worked during the pandemic. I worked the whole time. Never took vacation days because we weren't going anywhere. Because the world was shut down. My kids weren't in school. So, you know, there was no groceries on the shelves. We were out of toilet paper. Like, come on. I just went to work every day, just like I normally did. It wasn't even an issue for me. Now, in doing so, at the time, we were all hailed as great human beings because we were still working while the rest of the world was shut down so we could care for the sickest of the sick and these sick people in the world. Well, guess what? That's done. That's over with. Nobody's severely ill from COVID, not, at least not in the numbers that it was in the beginning. We know better how to treat it. We know what's causing it. And when the virus is weakened, so it's been through four or five revisions. The virus is replicated multiple times. It's now a weaker version of its former self, which is why you don't vaccinate in the middle of a pandemic. But anyway, I'll t- I digress. Um, So now... Facilities are blaming staff members for moving COVID around the facility, which is just weird. Now, they've always blamed staff members for patients who get C. diff. They blame staff members for moving C. diff from room to room. So if a patient in room A or 100, let's say, on the first floor has a raging case of C. diff, and your nurse is treating that patient, your protocol is that you wash your hands with soap and water, you have to don and doff, that means put on and take off uh, like a gown or a sterilized plastic or paper gown. You need to wear gloves. You need to be protected from the C. diff spores. Now, Everything you touch and everything you do and everything in the room will be cleaned with bleach, even though bleach doesn't actually kill C. diff. Um, but it'll be cleaned with bleach anyway because it kills everything else but the C. diff. So the cleaning with bleach, some facilities, when a patient's discharged from that room before someone else goes in that room, 
They'll put in a UV light, a really high intensity UV light that radiates all around the room to kill any infection in that room. Um, it'll go on for like 12 hours. It'll run in that room to just kill off everything. So some facilities have these tools available to them. Some don't. And they'll just clean the whole area up and bleach. Bleach doesn't kill C. Diff. Anyway, so the bleach won't kill the C. Diff, but we'll do it because that's what we do. I don't care if it's Clorox wipes or pure bleach out of a bottle. Chlorine, it's just not going to kill. Uh, it's not going to kill C. Diff. Pretty hard to kill. Destroy C. Diff. C. Diff spores last for a long time on touch surfaces, on physical surfaces, on skin, in clothing. In your nose, they last forever. So we wore masks, we wore gloves, we donned and doffed gear. Well, at the time, years ago, if you if another patient that you were taking care of got C. diff, it was assumed that the nursing staff or the medical staff who's treating the patient somehow brought the C. diff from patient in room 100 to the patient in room 108. Right, so let's say you're taking care of patients, and your your other assignment down the hallway is 108. Your nurse, your nurse manager was mean to you, and you have to walk eight rooms apart from each other while you care for your patients. They couldn't give you 100 and 101. You got 100 and 108, and that's because you have two patients because you're in the ICU. Let's say, so you got two sick people. One has C diff, one doesn't, but then the other one develops C diff over time. So it's hospital acquired C diff. That's blamed on the staff. You get dinged for that because the staff made that person sick because we didn't do whatever we needed to do to wash our hands, to don and off gear properly. We didn't wash our stethoscopes appropriately when we were assessing for lung sounds and heart sounds. We didn't, you know, cover our butts, no pun intended, for patients to know where sedatives come from. We didn't, we didn't cover ourselves well enough in the facility, in that room, clean ourselves well enough, and then go to the next person and assess them without being clean, like, or being clean. So we gave that person C. diff somehow. That's the, you know, that was back in 2019. So now it's 2023 and we're on this COVID kick. C. diff hasn't gone away. C. diff is still there and C. diff still carries it with it. All of the same nuances and issues that it's always had and we're still blamed for c diff outbreaks in a facility they blame the staff now there's a lot of other things happening in a facility you've got uh what about the mop bucket that evs is using to clean the floor in a c diff room does that get directly sanitized and cleaned out does the mop handle get wiped down completely before EVS goes into the other room and cleans it? Probably not. They do a lot of cleaning, and it's probably not super dirty, but this is C. diff. There's no sterilization process for all of the gear. So it's not just nursing staff or medical staff. But anyway, I digress again. Let's go back to the COVID per- person now. So COVID used to be six feet apart. Everyone wears a mask. No one's going to get COVID. We're all vaccinated. We're healthy. Well, what if someone's got COVID? They've been vaccinated like four times. They're morbidly obese, have type 2 diabetes, heart failure, hypertension. They're in your hospital. They've got COVID. And now, someone two rooms away gets COVID. 
it's the nurse's fault. You know that, right? You're aware that the hospital is blaming staff for getting other patients sick. So now the mask is no longer to protect you from COVID, right? They don't care about you anymore. We're not here to protect you. The masks are there to make the staff protect other patients from other patients. So now the view is that you, as the staff member, you wear a mask because you're an infectious disease Petri dish that's going to bring COVID from room A and put it in room B. You're transporting COVID on your tongue, in your mouth, in your lungs because you're a horrible human being and you need to wear a mask. Now, that's different than me being protected from someone with a virus. That's why I was wearing a mask. I they had a, I, I don't care if I go in a patient's room that has COVID. I'm going to wear I'm Don and Doff gear. I'll wear a gear. That's fine. But if I'm walking around the hospital and I'm treating a patient with a broken leg and another patient has hypertension and another patient down there has back pain, none of them have COVID. They've all been tested for it. Trust me. None of them have it. Why am I wearing a mask? What risk do they pose to me? And what risk do I pose to them? Why do I pose a risk to these people? Because I was just at, you know, Target and nobody was wearing a mask. You know, when we were at the grocery store, it, you know, or Kohl's buying clothes or a Bass Pro Shop or whatever, nobody's wearing masks all day long. But now... Now, because I'm in a hospital, I'm the potential problem. I'm going to bring COVID from patient A to patient B. Now, those two patients may have potentially met, if they're in, like, say, rehab. The rehab patients are walking around the hallways. You got COPDers who have a hard time breathing on oxygen with a nasal cannula in their nose, maybe, walking with a little oxygen tank. They're in the gym doing physical rehab. Well, there's other patients in the gym doing physical rehab, and then all the physical therapists are wearing masks, and then all the nurses and the nurse practitioners assessing those patients are wearing masks. But COVID still spreads. That COVID person who's in room one has in their room a cold air return vent. Every room has a cold air return. Now, forget commercial properties. Let's look at your home for a minute. Your home, if you have forced air, air conditioning, and heating, not baseboard heat like back east or even in the Midwest or radiator heat. I'm talking forced air furnaces for the majority of the western U.S. You have a forced air furnace. You have an air conditioning unit outside, and that coil of cold runs through your forced air furnace in the summertime. And then you got a heating element, whether it's a heat pump outside or an electric heater on the heating element inside as a backup, you've got heat being pushed across the fan. So you suck air from your room in the middle of it somewhere. There's a cold air return. That pulls in air from the entire space. So it's pulling air from the living room, the dining room, the kitchen, the bedrooms. Pulls it in, goes through the heat exchanger, pushes out as warm air, or goes to the you know refrigeration exchanger and push out as cold air, depending on whether you're heating or cooling your space. And you're doing that to your own air. Happens in your car, happens in your house, it happens in the hospital. 
what did any of the hospitals not invest in, not invest in during COVID? None of them invested in high HEPA filtration for their central air systems, nor did they invest in like UV light to kill any bacterial source passing through the facility. None of them do. That's expensive. It's very expensive to put that type of, you know, filtration and antibacterial equipment into your AC system. So now picture you're walking through Macy's department store. It's Christmas time. And you walk into the side of where there's men's clothing. You're on that side of the, the mall and you come into the building. You can smell the perfume counter, but the perfume counter is 600 feet from the men's clothing section. Why can you smell the perfume counter? Because Macy's, like every other interior building, has a forced air furnace. They've got a cold air return that pulls air from a centralized location and disperses it through the vent system around the building. So now you can smell any of the perfume that was aerosolized being pulled into that cold air return and pushed out into the men's department or the women's or furniture or whatever else they saw. They sold, you know, bedding and all that stuff. You can smell the perfume in all over the place. That's what's happening with COVID. These facilities are making you wear masks. They're blaming the staff for failing to wear masks and making the staff responsible for causing interfacility COVID transmission. When in reality, the staff didn't transmit it because the staff didn't get sick because the 90% of us have already had COVID. We're not, not only do we have, we've been vaccinated, but we already had, we also got COVID. So we're not going to get it again. So again, I ask why the masks, what, what are the masks doing? I think the masks are serving a purpose, but it's not to protect us and it's not to protect the patient. It's to show the world that we're doing something, even if it's useless, we're doing something. That's what, that's what hospitals want you to know is they're doing something. So now let's look at the scenario of, say, a dead person. Someone comes in. God forbid someone dies. That's always horrible. But let's face it. Everyone dies. At some point in time, everyone's going to die. I will die. My parents are going to die. My friends are going to die. My wife's going to... We're all going to die. That's a guarantee. The one guarantee in life is that you're not going to live forever. So let's say a person comes in and passes away. We know the person's dead. And this happens more often when it's a very young person. Young person, God forbid, a child or somebody comes in. I've seen it happen. They've choked on something. They've passed out. They're dead. They have no vital signs. There's no pulse. We will do compressions, chest compressions, and breathing for this patient. We will put a tube in this patient's throat. We will do everything and exercise all of the skills available while the family members watch us do this. Now, the rest of us in the in the medical community, we know this level of care is somewhat futile because this patient is is dead. The fact that they might come back if they did come back is going to be a horrible 
course of medicine for them. So they, let's say we went 20 minutes doing chest compressions and breathing and we shocked a rhythm and we've done all of the ACLS advanced coronary, you know, cardiac life support for this patient. We've done everything we could for this patient. Eventually we'll stop. But most of us knew it was futile in the first two minutes. The first couple of minutes we're like, yeah, this is bad. I doubt we're going to get this person back, but we do it as theater for the family, for everyone around us to let them know that we're doing something. We, it would be very rude of us to just say, no, we know grandpa's dead and we're not going to do anything. Now that happens if there's rigor mortis and grandpa's been dead for 12 hours before he even gets to the hospital. That's a whole nother story. But if the, someone comes in and if they're young, if they're young, it's not futile. If they're young, we will go the extra mile. Like we'll do whatever. Well, I've worked, I've worked at code for 45 minutes to almost an hour because of a very young person. It's a very horrible event, very sad, very tragic death. But we worked on that patient for a long time, far longer than most people, just because of the age of the person, very young person. So when they're older, you're going to do a lot less, right? We know we as providers know that this is futile care, but we'll do it as theater, somewhat theater for the family members. Now we're doing the right stuff. We're doing, given the right drugs. We're not faking any of that. We're actually doing the work, but we, we do it knowing that it's probably not going to have a great outcome. The outcome of the patient is going to be that they've expired. They've passed away. Masking is doing the same thing. It's a lot of theater, there's no real reason to do it anymore. There was no real reason to do it in the first place. You've heard on this podcast before, there was no reason for any of this nonsense. But we're going to do it. Now, who's guiding this masking stuff? Because, let's face it, we know that the mask mandates were lifted in Nevada. They've been lifted all over the country, actually. The CDC, back in September of 2022 stated that mandatory masking in healthcare settings is no longer recommending that it be universal. So the CDC changed its position. They said that it was a ma- they call it a major departure from the CDC's previous recommendations at WebMD, the New York Times, um, I have a bunch of articles here in front. So these guys have all said that the Centers for Disease Control Change the position as a major departure from the CDC's previous recommendations of universal masking to fight the COVID-19 pandemic. Updates were made to reflect the high levels of vaccine and infection-induced immunity and the availability of effective treatments and prevention tools. So, they even knew the masks weren't helping because people were masking and still getting sick. So... (laughs) Now, that was back in September of last year, September 28th, 2022. What's that? Six months ago. So six months ago, the CDC changed their position. Well, over a year ago, Nevada changed its position. Um, And then in the Department of Health in Clark County, Nevada, where I live, they talk about if your area that you reside in is exhibiting high levels of COVID, like a high 
volatile spreading disease type thing, almost like a mini pandemic or endemic in your area, they suggest that you start masking again. Well, we're masking in the hospitals anyway, but you can go to the cdc.gov and it'll tell you exactly about your specific area of the country. It'll tell you whether or not your area is in a high transmissible rate. And Clark County hasn't been in a high transmissible rate in months. We've been very low. Um, most of the country has been very low. Because what are you comparing it to? Like what's high and what's low? Well, if before if before 2020 you were comparing zero COVID to one COVID patient, that seems like a lot, right? Because it went from zero to one. But if the, you're comparing it, if you doubled the, we doubled our rates. You ever hear that? They doubled the rates of COVID. Well, there was one person and now two people have it. Yeah, that's double the rate. That doesn't mean it's, tw- you know, half the population or two thirds of the, like it's not a big number. It's two people. You doubled the rate to two. So you got to be careful when you hear all these terminology being thrown around and these rates being thrown around to see what the actual numbers are. What 2.8, 2.9 million people living in Las Vegas and the surrounding area, um, in Clark County. And if two people have something, I don't consider that a highly transmissible thing. That's not a big problem. Now, if we're comparing numbers from the initial three months of COVID to today, it's a lot lower. <laughs> it's significantly lower because. Back then, we were getting 1,000, 2,000 a day were being diagnosed with COVID. And now today, it's, you know, 20 people are being diagnosed with COVID, maybe, in Clark County a, a day, maybe. So, comparing those numbers, it looks amazingly good. We're tenfold better than we were in March or end of February back in 2020, even into 2021. So now it's a lower number. But again, if you're comparing today's number of 20 against zero in 2019, well, that's a huge number, right? So you got to be careful about what they're comparing it to when they say, oh, it's lower or oh, it's it's higher, right? The stock market, for instance, if you look at the stocks, they'll be like, oh, Dow dropped 300 points today, right? But are you only comparing it day by day? Or are you comparing it over time? Because... When I moved to Nevada back in 2007, the stock market was in the tank. Stock market had no money and they lost everything. People were losing homes and mortgage prices fell to zero and people were filing bankruptcy like crazy. And I think the market was at like $6,000. So the NASDAQ was six grand. Today, it's 33 grand. So in the course of that 13, 14, 15, 16 years, 16 years, I guess, 15 years I've been here, in the course of that amount of time, we went from six or 7,000 to 33,000. That growth over time is huge. So if they're like, oh my God, we lost $300 in the Dow today. Well, that isn't relative when you're looking at a 15-year lifespan of being in the market. Now, if you're playing the market on a daily basis and you're really worried about your day-to-day returns, then that's a different story. But if you're someone in it for the long haul and you're looking to cash out 50 years from now or 30 years from now, maybe a $300 drop today isn't a big deal because in the last 15 years it grew exponentially. 
you know, it's four or five times higher than it was back then. So again, perspective is everything and knowledge based on where the beginning of the, the, the ratio starts and the end of the ratio is what you need to know. Like, what are they comparing it to? Very important. So again, we have low transmission of COVID in Nevada. There's low transmission in almost every state right now. There is not a high transmission of COVID. There's not beds being occupied by sick COVID patients that wouldn't otherwise be occupied by someone else in the facility. It's not like people are not getting, you know, surgeries done because of COVID. All that stuff's gone. So why are we wearing masks, people? My God, it makes no sense to me. It's just weird. So let's do some uh, commercial time. We'll get out of here, listen to a commercial for a minute, and come back and we'll talk about probably something COVID-related, but something a little different. Medically unbiased. Hello, everybody, and we're back from our commercial break, which is really just me getting a drink. In fact, there's no no one's paying to advertise on this show. Are you kidding me? Not even Pfizer will pay. It's amazing. So, thanks for listening today, guys. I really appreciate it. You know, we've been off the air for a while, and I. Not trying to be off the air forever, but it's been busy, man. Life got in the way, and I was in school, and ninjas attack. It's just been it's been wild and crazy. I can't even express to you how much has been happening in my world. All good, nothing bad, nothing bad's happened. So you know, thanks for the care and the worries and the concerns. But nothing bad has gone on. It's just been I've just been busy. So we're back, and I want to talk a little bit more about COVID, but not the mask thing because we know masks are stupid. And now I'm going to point out some more stupidity that is being portrayed onto the American public. So currently there's an advertising campaign called No Plan Go. And that's three words, no, K-N-O-W, plan, like you're going to plan a new plan, and go. They have a website called noplango.com, right? It's important. And it's, it's covered with celebrities. There's... Pink, she was a singer. Um, there's Quest Love, he's an Academy Award winning filmmaker and drummer. There's Gene Smart, there's a she's a television and theater personality. And then Michael Phelps, who's a you know a multiple gold medal award winning swimmer. So in the commercial, these people are all throwing a ball that's got little spike proteins on it, like a 3D model of a COVID. Uh, I think they're throwing it back and forth, theoretically. It's see, it's the TV, so it's like on TikTok when you drop a, something out of the out of the frame, and someone else catches it. You're not dropping it to that person, but anyway, I digress, which I've been doing a lot on this podcast. So let's listen to the commercial for a minute, and then we're going to talk about it because it's very important that we, as the informed public, 
understand what is really going on here. So, if this were the real COVID nineteen, I would be in real trouble because I have talking. asthma and I have depression. And Michael Phelps. I have diabetes. Gene and I struggle with my weight. For us, COVID is a whole different ballgame. In fact, you could be one of almost 200 million Americans with a high risk factor. So 200 millions have a high, 200 million Americans have a high risk factor. That's one third of the U.S. population approximately, about 330 million Americans. So just under one third of the population is at high risk for developing severe symptoms with COVID. Now, notice they didn't say you could die from it. Just severe symptoms. No longer are they, no longer are commercials talking about you're going to die from COVID. Did you notice that? There's no mention of death at all. Let's continue. It's a one minute long commercial. We're about 20 seconds into it. That makes COVID even riskier. Which is why you need to be ready and have a plan. You need to be ready to have a plan. Including heart disease or being inactive. Even being over 50 or being a smoker can put you at serious. So smoking, being over 50, being inactive, having heart disease puts you at risk for severe COVID. These weren't things that were said at the beginning of the pandemic. Could that be you? Find out. Go to noplangood.com and know your risk factors. Noplangood.com. Because if you get COVID on top of asthma, like I did, the last thing you want to do is wait and see. Oh, did you hear what she said? If you get COVID with asthma, like I did, the last thing you want to do is wait and see. Now, on the No Plan Go website, uh, Pink literally states, having COVID was a scary experience. Quote, having asthma puts me at high risk for getting very sick from it. But now I'm ready to act quickly if COVID-19 strikes again. Remember the word again. That's very important here. If I ever, quote, it's continuing the quote. If I ever have symptoms, even if they're mild, I know to get tested quickly and make the call to my doctor right away if I if my test is positive, unquote. So she was vaccinated, I'm assuming, with two doses of a vaccine, 90 days apart or whatever it was. And then she also got COVID. Like she didn't recently develop asthma. She had asthma prior so what she wasn't she didn't need to know plan go when she got it last time she needs to know this time do you notice that she had it if it ever strikes again so she's already had covid (laughs) she's probably not gonna get it again you know i doubt she'll get it again honestly however there's a potential i guess because other people have gotten it multiple times right but it's it's not a given that she's going to get it again. It's actually more likely that she won't get it again. But what is this website actually promoting? This website is from guess who? Guess guess who this website's from? When you dig deep into the information, 
this website was developed by Pfizer. And why? Why is this website developed by Pfizer? Because they need to make more money. So what are what are they making money on here? Because it's just, just an ad for think about if you have all these things. So if you're got cancer, chronic kidney disease, liver disease, you're over fifty, you have HIV, you're immunocompromised, physical inactivity, you're overweight or obese, uh, you have sickle cell, diabetes, you have any disabilities, heart conditions, heart disease, tuberculosis, a history of a stroke, uh, you smoke. Maybe cystic fibrosis, MS, any of these things. Or you're pregnant or recently pregnant. That's funny. They listed pregnant and recently pregnant in the, in the literature here for those who are at high risk for developing worsening COVID symptoms. So are they threatening to make you go get a vaccine? No, no, no. They now have developed oral medications therapeutics, which is what I've constantly said that the vaccine was in the beginning was a therapeutic, but they've developed oral therapeutics to treat your symptoms of COVID. Kind of like everyone was running around saying ivermectin was going to treat your symptoms. Studies have come out. There's a study recently in uh, Science Direct, I think it was, that said that they tested, I think they tested 4,000 different people Half of them were enrolled in the ivermectin group and half of them were enrolled into the placebo group. And of the groups, they found that there's no statistical significance between the therapies and the treatments from the effects of ivermectin versus the effects of not taking anything. Literally, take no drug at all, just rest, relax, drink water, kind of like the flu, right? Treat yourself like the flu, drink some, you know, get some electrolytes, you know, sleep, get some sleep. Sleep's always beneficial. Rest, relax, don't go exercising, um, take some vitamins, and you'll get better, right? So the, that study kind of shows that ivermectin, while it may give some people a mental change and if, make them feel like there's a physical difference, the study came out and showed that there's no true physical difference in outcomes based on symptomology for the patients and the, and the group was only 4,000. So it's not a large, heavily weighted group. It's not 400,000, but it's, you know, 4,000 is not four. So it's a decent sized study. Um, so maybe ivermectin, but that's funny that they even did that study because remember ivermectin was the ho- most horrible drug ever. It was horse dewormer for Joe Rogan. It was, people were going to die. People were dying because they took it. It's stupid. Been around forever. Super safe. No one's died from ivermectin. So anyway, back to the noplango.com thing. They're trying to get you to go to your doctor when you have tested positive for COVID. Now, if their vaccine worked, they wouldn't need this. If the vaccine worked, you wouldn't need to no plan or go because you would just be protected. Have you ever seen a no plan go or some sort of plan for, oh, I don't know, polio? Mm-mm. Because guess what? The vaccine was effective and no one got polio after that. So again, I ask, why do they need this? Well, this is to sell their therapeutic medication. If you need to go see your doctor, what do you need to ask for? So again, we're telling potential patients in the world 
what to do when they go to the doctor. We're not asking that the doctors or the providers that have the data and constantly are studying information like this, you know, we're not asking them to learn it. We're asking, we're asking for the general public to go into the doctor's office with all these advertisements and say, oh, yeah, uh, I need Paxlovid, which is a drug developed by Pfizer that is a therapeutic to help treat symptoms of COVID-19. Now, Paxlovid is an emergency use authorization drug. It's, uh, it's only there for treating mild to moderate COVID in adults. And it says 12-year-old or older children. Um, but it's an emergency use medication. But guess what? Guess who pays for that? I'm sure it's not cheap. I don't know what the cost of a Paxlovid is, but I'm sure it's not a cheap drug. So who's making money? Just follow the money here. So they said the vaccine was safe and effective. We've learned that 30, so 30% increase in sudden cardiac death and heart disease in young adults between the ages of like 20 and 45 since the pandemic. Not because of them getting sick, but because of them being vaccinated. That's the only corollary you can draw. Because if the vaccine didn't exist, all the numbers would follow the same pattern they had. The only thing that's changed is that we vaccinated a vast majority of those people. I say we, I'm part of the medical community. We did damage. We hurt people by vaccinating them with a drug that was unproven. So... I guess I'm part of the guilty party as well in that regard, even though as my listeners, both of you or all three of you, however many they are, have heard me say, I didn't believe in any of that junk in the beginning, and I still don't believe that it was therapeutic or helpful, and I don't believe it was beneficial now. I even told my father, who's in his 70s, he probably shouldn't get the vaccine. And anyway, so I'm still going to put myself in that category because I belong to the group of people the practitioners, the providers who've given that drug. So now they've got, the FDA has authorized the use of this emergency use authorization of Paxlovid. They call it an investigational medicine. What does that even mean, an investigational medicine? That makes no sense to me. And It's not a therapeutic medicine, it's investigational. That's weird. That's a very weird terminology on Paxlovid's website. Um, for the treatment of mild to moderate COVID. So we we paid AstraZeneca, we paid uh, Pfizer, we paid Moderna, whose patent is owned by the U.S. government. But we paid all these groups, these companies, oh, and Johnson & Johnson, we've paid them billions of dollars for all of their vaccines that don't work. Now, if you bought something that didn't work, even from Amazon, you'd take it back, Right? There's a 30-day return policy on many items. If you're if you have a pro account at Home Depot or Lowe's, you have a one-year return policy on some of your items if they haven't been used. So you could return an item, you can buy an extended warranty on things and return them five years later when they don't work. So in the consumer market, you're allowed to take it back. 
can you take this vaccine back? Can the government ask for money back from these companies because the drug wasn't effective? They lied. They manipulated the data and said it was effective and wasn't. No, our government's not going to do that. They're too stupid to do that. So what are they going to do? They're going to give emergency use authorization for an oral medication that treats the symptoms of COVID. Again, I'm reminding everyone, this isn't, they're not saying people are dying now. That's not the, that's no longer the verbiage being used in commercials. It's all about scare tactics about how sick you're going to be. Americans, we don't like pain. We don't like feeling injured. We don't like being sick. I personally will do anything to not throw up. I'm just saying, I will do anything. I will hold it down till it runs through my bowels and I will have explosive diarrhea for four days. I don't care as long as I'm not puking. I hate to throw up. I hate it. I hate how it feels. I would take any drug. If you put whatever in front of me and told me that it was going to not make me sure I didn't throw up, I probably would take it. That's how stupid I am when I want to throw When I need to throw up, I don't want to. Even though I probably feel better in like two seconds after I throw up, I still don't want to throw up. Now, that's very graphic. I apologize to those who are listening who thought it was graphic. But it's important to understand that as a, even I, someone who works in the medical field, I have my things that bug me, okay, that I don't want to do personally. Now, in this situation, Paxlovid, they're charging for that drug. That's not free. Pfizer's not like, oh my gosh, we're giving you a free drug because we care about your health. We really care. We want you to know that these this is the best way to be. You know what I mean? No, that's not it at all. They're going to be getting Paxlovid, and then the federal government, because it's the EUA, emergency use, is either going to be paying for it, or the insurance companies, or Medicare, Medicaid, which is the government, is going to be paying for it, right? But why are they, why? Why is it even necessary if the if the vaccine worked? It makes no sense. So all these people on this commercial are advocating for a drug from a company who provided and paid and got paid to give you a vaccine that would prevent the disease that they're now trying to treat on the back end with another drug that's emergency use that we don't know the side effects of. Now, Paxlovid has a commercial, and it's, you know, what, I can't remember how they say it. There's a term. Um, let me see if I can find it here. So the Paxlovid commercial is, uh, I think, the, I, uh, Pfizer launches new branded Paxlovid ad for COVID. So um, it's just it's just weird that Pfizer's constantly talking about treatments for COVID if it's supposedly eradicated COVID with a bunch of vaccines. I just don't understand for the life of me what's going on. So I think I found the commercial. I'm letting the ad play through. But but the side effects from this drug... And, and we all know, like, if you're listening to an advertisement for drugs, there's going to be some side effects listed, right? There's going to be side effects in the back end. May cause, you know, upset stomach, diarrhea, you know, things that Pepto-Bismol might cure. It's going to, every drug has a potential negative effect somewhere. They list all of them on the advertising. 
This one lists a plethora of them. It lists a lot of them. I'm going to let you listen to it if you haven't heard it because you need to understand what you're hearing and we'll go over it. COVID-19 and being overweight makes it more risky. I'm calling my doctor. If it's COVID, Paxlovid. If it's COVID, Paxlovid. So they're developing this little wordplay and this kitschy cool slogan to be utilized by people to think to their their uh, sociology and would tell you that they're engaging in part of your brain that remembers that. So like I remember Taco Bell commercials from the eighties people because of stuff like this. So there's Pepsi commercials. Remember Coke had the whole song, you know, like to give the world Coke. So we all had that Coca-Cola song stuck in our head forever. Paxlovid is going to be no different. My kids already have heard this commercial enough on YouTube because it's played everywhere. Pfizer has a huge, uh, marketing budget and they utilize it very well so, for emergency use paxlovid is an oral treatment for people 12 and up who have mild to moderate covid19 and have a high risk factor for it becoming severe <clears throat> my symptoms are mild now but i'm not waiting if it's covid paxlovid so that's a gentleman saying if it's covid Paxlovid, they're using it if it's covid paxlovid they rem- it rhymes so they must have made up the word which they probably did i've always said that drugs are Scrabble tiles thrown on a table and people just pick the letters and come up with some random thing. And that's how they get drug names. But check this out. So it's for people 12 years of age and older who tested positive and are at high risk. The previous commercial said the No Plan Go commercial said 200 million people were at high risk. Now, if the 300 million people that got the vaccine are now at risk for getting COVID and 200 million of them have high risk factors. Paxlovid is a financial windfall for Pfizer. It just doesn't make sense that we are allowing this kind of stuff to continually happen. Yet here it is. Having even one risk factor, like being over 50, diabetes, or smoking, increases your chances of severe COVID. Taken within five days of symptoms, Paxlovid reduced the risk of developing severe COVID-19 by 86%. So I don't know how they come up with that number. They say that Paxlovid reduced the risk of, how do they say that? Reduced the risk of severe COVID by 86%. On this little blurb in the bottom of the commercial, it says, in a clinical trial of unvaccinated patients, nine out of 1,039 taking Paxlovid were hospitalized, although no one died. 66 out of the 140 or 1,046 patients in in the other group. So there's two, it looks like there's two groups in this study. There was a all unvaccinated. They're saying these are all unvaccinated patients in the group. So 2,000, let me do my math quick, 2,085 people were in the group, broken into two groups of one with 1,039 patients and the other one's 1,046 patients. So of the 1,046 patients, they took a placebo 
86, 66 of them were hospital. 66 people in that group were hospitalized. They took a placebo and 12 of those patients died. Now here's the catch. They died from quote, any cause unquote. They didn't die from COVID necessarily. Now I haven't read this study. I just see the commercial and I see all the disclaimers and the, there's a ton of disclaimers in this commercial, by the way, a ton of them. So if you read the bottom, it says, in a clinical trial of unvaccinated patients, nine out of 1,039 taking Paxlovid were hospitalized and none died. 66 out of 1,046 taking placebo were hospitalized and 12 died, quote, from any cause, unquote, or parentheses. So from any cause, that means that these people could have died from heart disease or they <laughs> Taking a placebo, so were they feeding people placebo that were in a trauma, like an MVA, a motor vehicle accident, like car versus motorcycle, and then they, it doesn't even say that these guys were hospitalized for COVID. <laughs> not, not In the clinical trial of unvaccinated patients, it just says that they were taking Paxlovid. Nothing in that Disclaimer states that the patients were, had COVID in the clinical trial. That's hilarious. It just states that they were in the hospital. And of this group, no one died. And of this group, 12 died. Hmm. Weird. Just weird. So let's carry on. Paxlovid may strengthen or weaken other medicines. Taking it with certain medicines may cause life-threatening side effects or affect how Paxlovid works. So it may cause life-threatening side effects. Oh, great. I want that drug. So it's critical to tell your doctor about all medicines you take, including herbal supplements, because lab tests or changing the dose of your medicines may be needed. Tell your doctor if you have any serious illnesses, allergies, liver, or kidney disease, are pregnant or plan to become pregnant, are breastfeeding, or use birth control. So, ladies, if you want to become pregnant, stay away from this drug. Sounds pretty bad. I haven't read the package insert on it because I don't have it, but it's if they're listing every pregnant plan to become pregnant or on birth control, you, yeah, just all of that doesn't sound good. Paxlovid may affect how your birth control works. Don't take Paxlovid if you're allergic to Nermatrelvir, Ritonavir, or any of its ingredients. Serious side effects can include allergic reactions, liver problems, and issues with HIV medicines. Other side effects include altered taste, diarrhea, high blood pressure, muscle aches, abdominal pain, nausea, and feeling unwell. With my asthma, I knew it could be riskier. If it's COVID, Paxlovid. So that commercial is one minute and 30 seconds long. Of all the commercial that you hear, everything that we've listened to, one minute of it is side effects and potential death from taking it. So it takes them 66% of the time to explain all the negative potential effects of the drug. And there's only three people speaking. And the only thing they say is, if it's COVID, pack slow of it. That's a scary, scary situation. So I'm not saying that the drug is good or bad. I don't know because there's not been enough data on it, right? It's new. It's emergency use authorization. The last time I heard about emergency use authorizations was uh, vaccinations that didn't work and caused 
a bunch of side effects in people and has essentially been the precursor for a lot of cardiac death in a very young population that didn't actually have it. So now they're saying, you know, they're not saying you're going to die from COVID. You're just going to have less severe COVID. Who wants the side effects? You already got COVID. We already know the potentials of COVID and what you're going to do for COVID. Who wants the side effects of this, of this potential drug? Who wants to have all that? I don't. My fa- I don't want my family to have that. I don't want my family to have those side effects or my kids to have problems later or my wife to, my wife had a stroke years ago when she was very young before I met her. I wouldn't want her to have this drug. She's got severe issues. Although everyone in my family's had COVID because I gave it to everyone. So they didn't die. We're all better because of it because we're all now immune because we had COVID. Um, yeah, this is a very scary ad campaign and it's being brought to the American public in two different formats and they're pushing it as if they're trying to help you. See, if they couch it in a way that they're trying to help you and make it sound beneficial to you, people in the rest of the world are more likely to follow along. Oh, they're trying to help me. You know, this is not, it's not good. This is a very scary scary situation. So again, it's important that as my listeners, you guys understand how to decipher the data that's put in front of you. And that's all really I'm wanting you to learn from this podcast today is that it's not that everything you see on the internet is fake. We know that, right? So all pictures or all images are probably fake or manipulated in some manner. And all data is up for interpretation. And most of the data is wrong or false. However, when you have a company hiding their branding from Pfizer, there's no Pfizer branding on that. That None of that messaging was Pfizer. Used to be, and Pfizer was a huge brand on everything, and they'd, this, this company is brought to you by Pfizer. You know, Good Morning America, brought to you by Pfizer. Like, it would have all this stuff on there all the time. Now, None of that's on this packaging. Why is that? Because Pfizer's got this kind of messed up name about doing all the vaccines and all the negative press from the deaths from vaccines and people being concerned about it. So now they're coming out with a therapeutic, another therapeutic, because I think the vaccine was a therapeutic, but they come back up with an oral drug to take once you got COVID to supposedly reduce your symptoms of COVID, which what were the symptoms of COVID? I had none. My wife had none. My stepdaughter had a few. My cousin, she got COVID. She still can't smell. Two years later, two and a half years later, she still has no sense of smell no, and therefore no sense of taste. She can taste and smell certain items that are very strong odors and scents like vinegar or cinnamon. But like she can't enjoy a steak in the nuances of the garlic in the steak or, you know, olive oil or the differences in different breads and food. She can't do that because she COVID wiped out all of her sense of smell. She's alive and she has no risk factors for anything negative, but yet it still, you know, knocked her ability to smell out. Her husband, I think had Guillain-Barre for a while. He's back to normal now. 
So people have had issues with all of these, either the vaccine or COVID, yet they didn't die from it. Millions of Americans died. I get it. Seven million people on the planet died from COVID. I get it. It killed a lot of people. But like I've said before, it was released from the lab in Wuhan. It was not native to a bat that somebody ate and then caused this ruckus. This was genetically engineered to be more um, transmittable to humans through the lung tissue like it has been. Like it's well documented that it all came from the Wuhan lab. Even now, today, the Wall Street Journal has articles stating that that's the case because they're citing all these different people who have proven that that's the case. So it's just funny that all this stuff I said in other podcasts and other news media outlets spoke about three years ago about how this is all crap and this all came from a lab and that Fauci's the one in, in charge of funding it. Now, all of a sudden, that stuff's come to light and... Pfizer is making billions on it on both ends, playing into everyone's fear of COVID. Now, we can just we can talk about the commercials on TV for medications later. I think it's a horrible thing that the US does. Other countries don't do this. We're one of the only countries in the globe that allows marketing and commercials for prescription drugs. I think it's a stupid thing. But nonetheless, it's a thing. It exists, and they're allowed to do it. But we, as listeners of this show, need to be smarter and pay much more attention to what's being spoken about and shown to the general public. Because you can only get smarter if you arm yourself with knowledge and pay attention to what's in front of you. And if you guys don't believe me, I ask you to email me at info at medicallyunbiased.com dot com that's medicallyunbiased.com info at medicallyunbiased.com email me show me give me somewhere that says that I'm wrong that Pfizer's doing this or that the vaccines work appropriately give me that information because we know they don't the data shows that it doesn't Pfizer is admitting that the vaccines don't work if they're making a drug for you to take when you get COVID, why would I want to make a drug that nobody would use if my vaccines were so good? I wouldn't, but this is a marketing company and a sales company, not an altruistic take care of the world company and save you company. These companies need to make a profit and their whole purpose for existing is to make a profit for their shareholders And that's what they're doing. So knowing that, moving forward, you guys can be way more informed. So, hey, thanks for listening to the show today. I know we've been in and out and we're... I'll try and be more regular about posting stuff on on the page and posting podcasts for everyone to hear. So uh, forgive me for the delays and uh, I look forward to talking to you all again. 
You've been listening to Medically Unbiased. Visit our website at medicallyunbiased.com. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Medically Unbiased. Listening to this podcast does not create a doctor-patient relationship. The Medically Unbiased podcast is for general information purposes only. Thanks for listening.